Welcome to Korean True Crime with me, your host, Mimi Maziko. In today's episode, I am unveiling the dark underbelly of a notorious club in Gangnam, Seoul. Together, we will delve into the shocking allegations made by whistleblower Kim Sung-kyo against Burning Sun, from sexual misconduct to obstruction of business. Join us as we explore the high-profile trial that captivated the nation with claims of falsified testimonies and disputed CCTV footage. The courtroom drama unfolds. Thank you to Vix Mack, Lala, Jay Colomo, Ben Jones, Ashley Rigby, William White, Sue VB Van Bremen, Blanca Blanca, G1 Edwards, Selkie, Nico, Elijah Hancock, Anominom, Dr. Bob, My96, Lumos, and Emma Brown for their support on Patreon. Thank you for voting on today's episode topic. If you'd like to join my patrons, you'll receive ad-free early access episodes, weekly Korean true crime vocabulary hinting at the content of the next episode, exclusive access to vote on future episode topics, and occasional bonus content. There are no tiers, so all patrons gain access to everything. If you'd like to support me with your love, find me on most social media sites at Korean True Crime. Sources are available for free on Patreon. Warning, today's episode contains mentions of sexual assault, but will not contain details of sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. South Korea is a vibrant and bustling country that never seems to sleep. Its work culture demands long hours, but its nightlife is equally renowned for its energetic party scene. While I may be an elderly 29-year-old who prefers to hit the bed before clubs even open, I can't deny that Seoul is a haven for partygoers. If you're looking to let loose and belong to a younger crowd, Hongdae is the place to be. For those seeking a taste of extravagance and a chance to mingle with celebrities, Gangnam welcomes you with open arms. And if you're after some good old-fashioned fun, Itaewon beckons with its inclusive atmosphere, welcoming people from all walks of life, including foreigners and LGBTQIA community. However, be mindful that bars and clubs in other areas may not be as open to foreigners. When it comes to enjoying a night out until the early hours, the possibilities are endless. You can kick off your evening at a fantastic barbecue restaurant. Korean barbecue's reputation precedes it, with mouth-watering pork belly and delectable side dishes paired perfectly with Korean clear liquor soju. And if you're looking to switch things up, mekju even, a mix of soju and beer, is always a good choice. As you explore the area around these restaurants, you'll come across various bars and hofs, which are bars that serve delicious drinking foods like fried chicken or pizza. Fun fact, hof is a Konglish word derived from the German word for courtyard, and in Korea, it's synonymous with draft beer. If you're in the mood for dancing, head to the clubs. But if singing your heart out is more your style, norebangs, or private karaoke rooms, are popular among people of all ages. And you can still order drinks there. Among the favorite haunts for early to mid-20-year-olds are hunting pochas, or singles bars. I know the name sounds a little bit creepy, but these lively bars are packed with individuals looking to make connections with others. You can come with friends, enjoy food and drinks, while scouting the room for a potential date. If someone catches your eye, you can even send them a drink, food, or a message through a waiter, a tablet at your table, or you can muster up the courage to approach them directly. If they accept, who knows? You might hit it off and have a great time together. 
Of course, like in any country, clubbing in Korea has its share of risks and dangers. It's essential to exercise caution, especially when you're drinking with strangers, as the world can be a precarious place regardless of where you are. In the upscale clubs of Gangnam, you'll find the wealthy and the children of the elite partying with complete abandon. One prominent club in the area was the Burning Sun. Situated at the base of Le Meridian, a luxurious Marriott hotel that could cost anywhere from $400 to $1,000 per night. Known as the most elegant and finest club in South Korea, it was often referred to as Seungri's Club due to one of its seven in-house directors. Seungri, a well-known figure in the K-pop industry, played a significant role in the club's success, attracting numerous K-pop idols and other celebrities who wanted to rub shoulders with the VIPs. The club boasted a private VIP entrance, 60 VIP tables near the DJ box, and a spacious dance floor accommodating up to a thousand guests. The basement area catered to EDM enthusiasts, while the second level embraced lovers of hip-hop. The club's drink list featured bottles priced in the thousands of dollars, catering exclusively to wealthy clientele. Numerous individuals, including celebrities both in Korea and internationally, were involved in the perpetration of crimes in this case. The Burning Sun nightclub was opened by Lee Moon-ho and Lee Sung-hyung, who served as the CEOs. Working under them were seven in-house directors. Among these directors were Yoo In-suk and Seung-ri, who also operated Yuri Holdings and held approximately 20% of the club's shares. While much of the attention surrounding this case has centered on Seung-ri, a former member of the highly successful K-pop group Big Bang, it is crucial to acknowledge that the other individuals were complicit as as well. Seungri often called himself and was referred to as Korea's Great Gatsby due to his extravagant parties and lavish lifestyle. However, others would say he's more likened to the Great Gatsby because he was a corrupt figure engaged in illicit activities to gain fame and wealth. Seungri owned various businesses throughout Korea and reveled in a life of luxury. Although his involvement is deeply disturbing, it would be an injustice not to mention all of those involved and hold them accountable. As we delve deeper into the case, you're going to learn about the other perpetrators as well. On November 24th, 2018, a 29-year-old clubgoer named Kim Sang-kyo was forcibly ejected from the burning sun. Kim Sang-kyo had been enjoying his evening when he witnessed a young woman being sexually harassed by another man at the club. In an effort to assist the woman, he approached the club's security staff and reported the incident. However, instead of helping, Kim was grabbed, shoved, and assaulted by the security security personnel, who forcefully kicked him out of the club. Although the police arrived shortly after, the officers who responded refused to listen to his account of what had transpired. To his shock, Kim Sang-kyo found himself arrested by the Aksum police and faced seven charges, including criminal battery, indecent acts, defamation, and obstruction of the performance of official duties. Kim also alleged that he was assaulted by the arresting officers then and at the police station. Aware that remaining silent would only perpetrate harm to women, Kim Sang-kyo knew he had to speak out. He recognized that he couldn't rely on the police in this instance and decided to post a petition on the Cheonghwadae website. Cheonghwadae, also known as the Blue House, serves as Korea's government executive office and presidential residence, similar to the White House in America. The website was modeled after President Obama's We the People platform. Kim Sang-kyo's petition detailed his assault, mistreatment by the police, and his witnessing of female customers being 
drugged and harassed. He also alleged a corrupt relationship between the district police and the club's owners. His petition was not the only one accusing the club, actually. Another petition called for an investigation into multiple reported incidences of women being drugged at the club. Two months later, on January 14th, 2019, a former employee of Burning Sun uploaded CCTV footage to various Korean websites. The footage depicted a woman being forcibly dragged into a room, assaulted, beaten, and taken away. The leaked footage was from the previous month, December 2018, and clearly indicated that sexual harassment extended beyond individual predators and implicated a problem with the club itself. Two weeks later, on January 28th, 2019, Kim's story gains nationwide attention when NBC News Desk airs the CCTV footage capturing his assault outside of the club. The reporter discussed Kim's allegations against the club and analyzed the footage. The CCTV footage revealed security guards forcefully dragging him outside and surrounding him, verbally assaulting him and taking photos of him. The guards and employees shouted at him before shoving him to the ground. A club employee approached the seated Kim, grabbed his head, and repeatedly punched him in the face, then dragged him onto the road and continued hitting him. The assailant was later identified as a Mr. Jong, the club's director. Shockingly, Mr. Jong, after briefly leaving the scene, would come back after removing his coat and launch another vicious attack on Kim. This brutality unfolded near the entrance, with dozens of bystanders observing the appalling incident, yet everyone failing to intervene, which, as disheartening as it is, is an occurrence not too uncommon in public altercations. After Kim is assaulted, he calls the police. About 10 minutes later, the police arrive and they speak to the club staff before turning their attention to Kim and arresting him. Kim begins to resist arrest, and you can see this clearly in the footage, and then is forcibly put into the police officer's car. Mr. Jong falsely claimed to the police that Kim had been the one sexually harassing customers, insisting that he be arrested for obstructing business operations. At the time of the broadcast, the name of Seungni, the prominent figure associated with the Burning Sun, had not yet been mentioned. However, everything changed when Kim Sang-kyo took to social media and bold declared, the police have summoned me to court for defaming the burning sun. Come to court and I'll sue the prosecution. Let's discover who has been truly defamed by me. Security guards, do you truly believe Sung Lee will protect you? Your director is currently hiding from me. Kim's audacious remarks on the internet ignited a wave of responses from numerous other victims who had fallen prey to the club's illicit activities, expressing their experiences on social media and YouTube. Sung Lee's name became entangled in the escalating controversy, yet it remained uncertain whether he actually had any involvement in the unfolding events. His fans demanded an official statement, but amidst the chaos, misinformation obviously spreads rapidly. Naver, Korea's largest search engine often likened to Korea's version of Google began purging Sungli's name from their entire site, likely due to the stakes that they had in YG Entertainment, the management company overseeing Sungli's singing career. The day following the broadcast, January 29, 2019, Kim Sung-kyo took to Instagram, appealing for information and urging individuals who had fallen victim to incidents involving date rape drugs to report their experiences to SBS. At the same time, he persistently called upon the Seoul police to investigate both the district police 
and the club. Amidst the countless victim narratives that were circulating on social media platforms, it became increasingly challenging to discern which of them were genuine and which exploited the sensationalism surrounding the case. As the public remained largely uninformed about the unfolding situation, YG Entertainment, the management agency responsible for Sunmi's music career, initially declared that they would not issue any formal statements. However, they would backtrack on that less than 12 hours later the next day on January 30th and issued a formal apology after victims began uploading testimonies detailing their experiences of sexual assault and the staff's use of date rape drugs on female patrons at the club. Former employees of the club came forward to share their accounts with KBS, SBS, and NBC, various Korean news channels, which shed light on the disturbing truth that drug usage was a very open secret at the Burning Sun. While drug use and distribution is not very uncommon in certain nightclubs, these employees assert that the police were explicitly aware of the drug activity occurring within the club. To substantiate these claims, screenshots of text conversations were leaked to the press and then subsequently made public. These exchanges involve a group of 25 individuals, among whom is a person identified by the screen name Jogak, meaning sculpture. In one particular message, Jogak states, considering the recent circumstances, we will be temporarily ceasing the sale of women's pleasure drugs. I urge you to remain silent and refrain from using the product. Please respond with a confirmation message if you understand. Failure to comply will result in being added to the blacklist. Additionally, a victim of the club has bravely shared her experience online of being sexually harassed by a staff member at the Burning Sun. Choosing to remain anonymous, she shared her harrowing account with the following words. I was sexually harassed by a staff member of Burning Sun on December 30th, 2018, around 6 to 6.30 p.m. The staff member fondled my breast, waist, and butt and attempted to put his hand inside my pants. I attempted to flee to the restroom, but the staff member grabbed me and told me that I could go if I gave a kiss. Because I wanted to get away from the staff member, I gave him a slight peck on the lips quickly and attempted to leave, but I was forced to kiss him. I ran away to the restroom after that. Other staff members that I was close to heard about it and brought the one responsible so I could get an apology. The staff member lied and claimed that he just touched my waist once or twice and that was it. The bouncer told me that I could get a hold of CCTV footage as evidence, so I filed a police report. When I said I wanted to get the footage right away, I was told that no one could tamper with the footage or have access to it. However, when the police arrived at Burning Sun in January to collect the evidence, they were turned away as the club wasn't open for business during that time, and they were told to return later. When they returned, the CCTV footage footage had been deleted. The police didn't tell me to keep the clothes I was wearing that day. They could have collected evidence through that, but they told me when it was much too late. Another courageous victim has come forward to testify that she was subjected to sexual assault by five individuals in the chat rooms, including Jung Joon Young, a well-known singer from the band Drug Restaurant, ironically, and Che Jong Hoon of the band FT Island. It is worth noting that Jung Joon Young had previously faced accusations of illegal filming his ex-girlfriend, although she withdrew the charges due to severe backlash from his predatory fans. In this case, the victim promptly contacted her lawyer, who provided her with access to images, videos, voice recordings, and text logs shared by the perpetrators. Through these, she was able to identify visual evidence of herself being sexually assaulted while unconscious. A third victim has also stepped forward as the chat logs start to surface publicly. She filed a complaint stating that an employee named Mr. Kim at the Burning Sun had filmed a video in which a man named Mr. Kwan sexually assaulted her. 
the victim discovered the existence of the video through the leaked chat logs. Another victim, identified as Miss E, recounted an incident that occurred in 2016. She was invited to a dinner by a friend who knew Sung Lee. Together with Mr. Kim, Yu and Suk, and a group of women, they went to dinner. During the meal, Miss E began feeling dizzy and decided to visit the restroom. When she regained consciousness, she found herself undressed in a hotel room. Her friend attempted to wake her, but expressed concern that she didn't respond quickly. Miss E's account aligned with the conversations and video evidence found in the chat logs, suggesting that she had likely been drugged during the party. She clarified that she hadn't consumed a significant amount of alcohol that evening. More victims came forward, this time as a group, sharing their experiences of being assaulted at a resort in Hongcheon in January 2016. The perpetrators involved in this incident included Jung, Che, Mr. Kim, and two other individuals. Sung Lee was part of the chat conversations regarding these assaults and received videos depicting the crimes. According to the women, after consuming a few drinks, they lost consciousness and awoke in an unfamiliar location. Additionally, leaked CCTV footage captured a distressing scene at the club, showing an incapacitated woman being forcibly dragged into a back room. She was unable to walk on her own and was carried sideways under the arm of an employee like she was a plank of wood. Despite her altered state, she attempted to grab a computer on the counter. However, the employee behind the desk protected the computer and watched as the other employee carried her away. This victim did not come forward to provide testimony. At this point, a total of seven women have come forward to file sexual assault allegations, with Jung Jun Young being a common factor in all of them. The growing amount of evidence has become too significant to ignore. As someone who lived in Korea as this situation unfolded, there was a substantial portion of the public who were fans of Sung Lee and found it really difficult to accept that any of these allegations could be true. Some people believed that it was a fabricated scheme concocted by jealous ex-lovers or even anti-fans, while others speculated that it was a plot orchestrated by the president to cover up his own scandals. To this day, there are still individuals who remain skeptical and refuse to believe any of it. I look forward to any of the engagement that I receive from Sungni apologists. On January 31st, the case takes an unexpected turn when the woman who Kim Sang-kyo had tried to assist on the night of his assault comes forward and files a sexual harassment complaint against him, alleging that he was the one who had harassed her that evening. Within the span of that day, a second woman also accuses Kim of sexual harassment at the club. These allegations against Kim cast doubt on the validity of the accusations against the club and its employees, further complicating the situation and causing confusion. The public found themselves in a state of confusion, uncertain about what to believe as more and more evidence came to light, much of which was made available through Dispatch, a news and gossip website. Text message exchanges among the CEO, directors, and merchandisers revealed the inner workings of the club. The term MDs was used as an abbreviation for merchandisers, with the merchandise in question being women. Within these messages, the MDs inquired about the presence of mulge or golungi at the VIP section. While mulge has no inherent meaning in this context, it was used as a shortened form of muljo guest, which referred to a guest who enjoyed drinking a lot of water. On the other hand, golungi refers to a mollusk underwater. These terms were used to describe women who had consumed excessive amounts of alcohol to the point where they lost control of their bodies, their movements resembling that of someone underwater or a fish. 
It became evident from these conversations that supplying intoxicated women to predatory VIPs was an integral part of the club's success. Prior to these revelations, the club had encountered some issues discussed through text messages concerning the entrance of underage girls, referred to as mijas. The club seemed to have a strict stance against allowing minors onto the premises, primarily due to concerns about where a place would be blamed if they were found. They believed that in instances of sexual violence, it could be attributed to drunk customers. They could place the blame elsewhere. However, when it came to underage access, their responsibility unequivocally fell on the club. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It was discovered that the club's relationship with the police had developed because of their vigilant reporting of attempts by underage girls to enter the club. Unfortunately, this did not prevent minors from gaining entry. In a text exchange between the director of booking and an MD, it was revealed that a teenage girl had attempted to enter the club, prompting the MD to report the incident to the director. The director's response was that the girl could be allowed entrance inside if she was attractive, instructing the MD to request ID only from those deemed unattractive. Previously, the police received a call that the club had allowed a teenage girl inside. Three officers were dispatched to the scene, where they briefly spoke to club employees at the entrance before leaving. They did not enter the club to inspect it. The report was dismissed as a false claim by a competitor to harm the business. This is believed to be an incidence of bribery of the officers. However, when the club attempts to defend itself, it's all undermined by the club's heavy reliance on using Kakao Talk, a popular messaging app in Korea. Through this text app, the club members shared explicit details of their illicit activities freely. Pictures of intoxicated women were circulated among directors, guards, and merchandisers. Merchandisers would report on the state of inebriation of women, prompting the guards to come and convince these women to move to VIP sections, where the directors would then allow VIPs to take advantage of the inebriated women. The exact number of women who fell victim to these heinous acts remains unknown, but it appears to have been a disturbingly regular occurrence. The text exchange consistently dehumanized humanized women, treating them as mere objects for their VIPs, and even discussed which women should be drugged. By February 3rd, 2019, a week following, Yiwon Ho, the CEO of Burning Sun, issued a statement acknowledging the assault on Kim and confirming that the staff member involved had been fired. He denied the presence of drugs, specifically GHB or date rape drugs within the club. The statement included promises to enhance the CCTV surveillance system and close off certain sections of the VIP. VIP rooms to minimize risks for female guests. In an attempt to salvage Sungli's reputation, Iman Ho emphasized that Sungli had merely served as the face of the company and had no involvement in any wrongdoing of the club. However, considering the mounting evidence against the club and its directors, many people doubted the plausibility of Sungli being completely unaware of the sexual exploitation and potential human trafficking happening within the club. 
A few weeks later, on February 13, 2019, nearly three months after Kim's assault and the beginning of the downfall of the Burning Sun, the identities of the women who filed lawsuits against Kim Sang-kyo are revealed. One of them is Anna, a Chinese woman known to be a drug supplier for the club, and the other is another employee of the club. Sungni, who has taken most of the blame so far in this case, attempts to deny ever meeting Anna. However, images of Sungni and Anna together at the club quickly surface, exposing his lie. The following day, February 14th, 2019, the Seoul police conduct a raid on Burning Sun and the Yuxan Police Department. The drugs found in the club match an ongoing investigation into GHB, ecstasy, and other substances from a nearby club called Arena. The police are able to establish a connection between Anna and the drugs in the club based on her prior arrest for ecstasy the previous September, which led to her deportation back to China. Anna undergoes a 14-hour police interrogation and is detained, preventing her from fleeing the country. Three days later, on February 17, 2019, CEO Lee ho announces the permanent closure of the club and its soon demolition. Surprisingly, the police are unable to prevent this destruction, despite the potential loss for crucial evidence. Although the police had already conducted a raid and obtained the CCTV footage that wasn't already erased, the remaining DNA evidence in the VIP rooms is now lost. Two additional women come forward, joining the accusers against Kim Sang-kyo and alleging that he also assaulted them at the club. They claimed to have consumed minimal alcohol and believed that they were drugged by Kim Sang-kyo. The situation becomes ambiguous as it remains unclear whether Kim Sang-kyo is both a predator and a whistleblower, or if these women, along with Anna, are attempting to cast doubt on Kim's case against the club in order to protect the company. It is possible that both things are true. On February 25th, SBS, a Korean news channel, reveals several Kakao Talk conversations from 2015 involving Sungli himself and his partner at Yuri Holdings. These chats discuss the procurement of women to provide unspecified services for investors and gangsters. In one particular exchange, Sungni receives a message from an employee informing him that a VIP room has been reserved for incoming guests. Sungni inquires if they can find girls who are willing to engage in sexual activities. The employee responds, expressing uncertainty about the girl's willingness, and mentions that the VIPs are Taiwanese gangsters. Sungli's partner, Yu, then comments that Chinese individuals prefer women who have undergone extensive plastic surgery. He reveals that he has hired two sex workers instead to send to the room. These conversations make it difficult to deny awareness when there is evidence of them actively procuring sex workers and assessing the willingness of drunk women involved. The investigation gained significant momentum then, leading to a 10-hour interrogation of CEO Iman Ho. Though he refuses to disclose the details of his meeting to the media, he can't help but mention that he is naming names and has more corruption cases to use as leverage. A lot of the club's VIPs had connections to gangsters, members or leaders of crime syndicates, or even politicians. Doesn't the saying go, snitches get stitches? There's a lot of risk associated with exposing these individuals, so it's really unwise for him to tell that to the press. Kim Sang-kyo's account of the assault at the club is determined to be truthful, and the other three women who accused him are found to have ties to the club's defense. However, again, this does not invalidate their allegations, as Kim still could have harassed them at the club. It's possible for him to be both a perpetrator and a victim in different instances. Around this time, in early March 2019, Korean citizens staged protests outside the Burning Sun and other clubs, expressing their discontent 
discontent with Korea's prevailing culture of complacency towards sexual assault. As someone who lived in Korea during this time, it was disheartening to witness the negative attitudes towards women's rights in a country that's just known for being lovely. I could hear from my female Korean friends that they simply desired basic equality and improvements in their daily lives, not just for themselves, but also for the betterment of the men in their lives. However, there was a rise in anti-women movements among male youth and young adults, and this case sparked a vehement debate between the two sides. The discovery of the chat messages is finally unveiled, as a celebrity friend of Sungni's, who was part of the chat rooms, had sent his phone to a repair shop to get it fixed. The technician at the repair shop was able to access and take screenshots of the messages. The following day, the Seoul police make an announcement stating that they didn't have access to the text chats that had been disclosed by SBS. Kang Kyung-yun, the SBS journalist who is reporting on the case, continues to uphold the authenticity of the text chats despite facing backlash from Sung Lee's fans, who vehemently claim the innocence of their beloved celebrity. Kang Kyung-yun is a renowned reporter known for her investigative journalism on sexual violence. She boldly expresses her willingness to cooperate with the police during an on-air statement. That same day, CEO Lee Moon-ho tests positive for drugs and evidence of money transfers to police officers comes to light. Sung Lee undergoes a nine-hour interrogation and tests negative for drug use. Nevertheless, he is still investigated for potential involvement in drug distribution. Social networking sites are flooded with Korean celebrities posting messages defending themselves to their fans, either denying any close association with Sungni or claiming ignorance about the unfolding events. By March 4th, 2019, the Seoul police declared that they believe the text chats have been falsified, citing a lack of evidence. In response, SBS journalist Kong states that the texts were handed over to the Anti-Corruption and Civil Rights Commission, or the ACCRC, instead of the police, due to suspicions of potential corruption within the police force. The ACCRC calls out the Seoul police by saying that they have been cooperating with the police and will send the evidence to the police once they have completed their own investigation. The police were then forced to acknowledge that they had already been made aware that the ACCRC had the text messages prior to their press conference. After this blunder, Korean Prime Minister Lee nak addresses the National Assembly and expresses his concerns about the Burning Sun case, describing it as an insult to the country's honor. He emphasizes that a thorough investigation will be conducted, fully ensuring that the police face legal scrutiny. On March 11, 2019, SBS reveals more information about the perpetrators in the chat rooms who were involved in illegal filming and potentially assaulting eight victims who were depicted in pictures and videos shared within the messages. The videos capture men filming women, some of who are unaware and some of who are unconscious. Within the chat, they mock and ridicule the women they film and assault, and they even tell disgusting jokes about it. That same day, the ACCRC submits their evidence to the Supreme Prosecutor's Office instead of the Seoul Police, leading to media speculation that there is possible corruption within the Seoul's police department. The following day, Jung Joon-yeon is arrested and admits guilt for illegally filming women he was involved with and sharing the videos. Although he does not confess to sexually assaulting the women, he is charged with quasi-rape. 
Legally, quasi-rape is when an individual engages in sexual intercourse with another person by exploiting their state of unconsciousness or the inability to resist. The women who did come forward faced tremendous backlash from fans of the implicated celebrities and even received threats on their lives. After the police received Jung's phone records, cacao talk messages between him and Sung Lee are discovered, revealing their belief that the police commissioner would support them and ensure their eventual release. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Investigations into police corruption unearthed troubling incidents with Jung Jun Young. In his 2016 case involving the accusations of illegal filming of his girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend attempted to obtain digital evidence from his phone, but miraculously, the phone went missing from police evidence, resulting in the case being closed by the police officer. Similarly, in 2018, he had another case of illegal filming against him. The officer dismissed the case as well. Jong-hun from FT Island also benefited from police corruption, as his records of drunk driving were erased for him. Furthermore, he was implicated in the non-consensual sharing of images of women. Astonishingly, the involvement of musicians doesn't even end there. Lee Jong-hun from K-pop group CN Blue is discovered to have recorded and shared hidden camera footage from outside of the club and had requested escort services in the club. Yoon Suk, Sung Lee's partner, announces that he will only cooperate with the police under the condition that his photo is not taken by the media. Which to me is incredibly ironic considering the suspicion surrounding his involvement in the illegal filming of drugged women being sexually assaulted. I don't think his privacy really matters at this point. But I guess I can say that knowing that he is guilty. On March 18th, 2019, 40 individuals are arrested in connection with the case, including employees. However, this does not include the musician Sung Lee, Che, or Jung, who would not be arrested until March 21st, 2019. Interestingly, Sung Lee's arrest was not directly related to drugs, human trafficking, or illegal filming, but actually was for tax evasion linked to the club. On March 28th, Sung Lee faced charges for the distribution of unlawfully obtained photos and became the subject of the official investigation for his alleged involvement in mediating prostitution. On April 4th, it came to light that Sung Lee had provided instructions to chat members on how to delete their conversation history and dispose of their phones. Consequently, Sung Lee was now facing a total of five charges, which now included evidence tampering. One of the most absurd and offensive remarks made by any of the accused came from the CEO, Lee Moon Ho, who during an interview arrogantly stated, if Sung Lee's cacao talk messages from three years ago are considered a crime, then aren't all Korean men criminals? He attempted to downplay the severity of the situation by claiming that they were merely jokes and that no actual acts of prostitution had occurred. In my response, no. The vast majority of Korean men do not engage in conversations like this, make such jokes like this, or participate in actions like this. It's a gross insult to Korean men and men everywhere to suggest otherwise. If such behavior were indeed common, it would necessitate a revolution for change. 
I have a lot of wonderful men in my life, family members, friends, my husband, and I'm willing to say that no, the majority of men are not evil like this. On April 18th, SBS reported a woman's accusation against Jung and Che, alleging that they were among five men who raped her in a hotel room in 2016. The woman claimed to have blacked out after consuming a drink provided by them and woke up the next morning in the hotel room. She came forward with suspicions that she had been sexually assaulted after learning about the existence of the chat rooms. To support her claims, the alleged victim presented an audio file and purported photos of the incident from the group chat. That same day, KBS shared an alleged chat conversation in which the men discussed the incident in a lighthearted manner. Che's lawyer reportedly stated that he had been with the woman but did not engage in sexual activity with her. The next year, on January 8, 2020, seven months after the police had submitted their case, the prosecution filed a second warrant requesting Sungni's arrest on seven charges, including procuring prostitution for himself and others, sharing non-consensual photos of women. However, the court denied the request, stating that his detention was not justified due to his cooperation with the investigation. On January 30th, 2020, Sung Lee, along with seven other individuals, were indicted on charges of mediating prostitution, embezzlement from the company, and other related offenses. Prior to this, Jung Jun Young and Che Jung Hoon had already been in prison following a rape trial in 2019. Che received a five-year prison sentence in his first trial for sexual assault and a six-year sentence in his second trial for involvement in prostitution. Jung Jun Young was also sentenced to six years in prison for the sexual assault. Despite being indicted, Sungni received a notice for his mandatory military service, and the Military Manpower Administration wanted him to begin his military duty while the trial would be transferred to military court. It's believed generally that a military court would potentially handle the charges with a lot less sensitivity compared to the civilian court. Sung Lee commenced his military service on March 9, 2020, and on May 15th, his trial was transferred to the military court. During the first hearing in September 2020, Sung Lee pleaded not guilty to all of the charges. He was sticking to his story that he was not involved. The subsequent court date was in October and involved testimony of 22 different witnesses. By January 2021, a ninth charge would be added against Sung Lee, alleging that he and his business partner Yu were involved with gang members in their bar business. Sung Lee continued to deny all of the charges. A military prosecutor remarked on Sung Lee's behavior, stating that despite benefiting from the crimes, he's attempting to shift blame onto someone else. Considering his problematic views and attitude regarding sex, he should face severe punishment. August 12, 2021, Sung Lee receives a prison sentence, finally, of three years, and he's fined 1.15 billion won, or approximately $990,000. He was taken into custody immediately following the trial. The sentence was imposed for nine charges, including procuring prostitution, embezzlement, overseas gambling, engaging in prostitution services, violating foreign exchange transaction laws, violating food sanitation regulations, violating laws related to punishment for sex crimes, violating laws related to punishment for special economic crimes, and organizing gang members to intimidate others. 
In essence, he was found guilty of embezzling, engaging in illegal gambling, soliciting sex work, facilitating the involvement of others in prostitution, and the sharing of non-consensual sexual photos. He was also added to the sex crime registry. The sentence, considered by many to be remarkably short, was further compounded by the lenient sentences handed down to Jung, who had filmed himself and others sexually assaulting drugged women. He only got six years for that. However, in January 2022, Sung Lee appealed to the military court, resulting in a reduction to his sentence by half and a reduction of the fine that he had to pay. Ultimately, he only served a year and six months. Sung Lee was released from prison on February 9th, 2023, following the completion of an 18-month sentence. Since his release, Sung Lee has returned to the public eye. He has been seen partying with drinks, spending time with Grace Tahir, the daughter of an Indonesian billionaire. Former friends of his have reported that immediately after his release, he tried to hit them up and ask them to go clubbing with him. An update on Kim Sung-kyo, the whistleblower. He actually received a two-year probation sentence for sexual assault, obstruction of business, and defamation of the club. The Seoul Central District Court issued the verdict on November 8th, 2022, while three women accused Kim of sexual misconduct at Burning Sun in November 2018. He was found guilty in only one instance where the victim testimony aligned with CCTV evidence. The court emphasized the severity of the crime and its emotional impact on the victim to justify the ruling. Kim, however, claimed that after the trial, the victim contradicted her previous testimony, asserting that she couldn't even recall how he touched her, and he criticized the unclear nature of the CCTV footage. But it isn't for us to decide whether or not the victim is telling the truth or not. Regarding the other two alleged assault incidences, the court found Kim not guilty due to insufficient evidence. Kim denied all three assault allegations, accusing the victims of being closely connected to the Burning Sun CEO and making false statements. He expressed skepticism about the police's handling of the case, suggesting that they had influenced the women involved to downplay the extent of the Burning Sun scandal. While this may be viewed as a minor setback in Sung Lee's life, it is hoped that he has learned from his actions and that justice will be served for all victims of the predators. The impact of the case has extended far beyond its immediate scope, triggering a profound reflection within the entertainment industry on the issues of harassment and exploitation. It's also served as a catalyst for the emergence of the Me Too movement in Korea. Women in the entertainment sector have been tirelessly advocating against the rampant over Sexualization, use of spy cams, deep fake pornography, and gender pay gap that persist in the industry. In many countries, the entertainment business has long been dominated by men. Human rights activists in Korea have unequivocally expressed their exhaustion with women being objectified and treated as sexual objects, vowing not to tolerate such treatment any longer. In 2017, report by Human Rights Watch revealed that approximately 20% of sex crime prosecutions in Korea involve illegal filming. The pervasive presence of spy cameras, known as MOCA, have instilled fear in the minds of many women as they go about their daily lives. Disturbingly, instances of spy cameras being discovered in employee bathrooms, school bathrooms, changing rooms, hotels, and even rented apartments have come to light. These cameras can be as inconspicuous as a screw and are skillfully concealed, making them difficult to detect. 
Korean women face challenges when reporting these incidents, as law enforcement officers often fail to prioritize these cases, leading to a higher likelihood of dropped investigations related to illegal filming compared to other reported crimes. This troubling fact underscores the need for a concerted effort to address the systematic issues surrounding the invasion of privacy and violation of women's rights in Korea and beyond. As always, thank you for listening to Korean True Crime. I hope you enjoyed today's episode topic. If you'd like to vote on future episode topics, join Korean True Crime's Patreon today. If you'd like to hear more, follow the show wherever you listen and be sure to leave a review. If you'd like to send me feedback, find me on all social media sites at Korean True Crime. See you next time.